Trojan fans, it's time for another installment of the Trojan Blast Recruiting Podcast. We give you the inside scoop on everything about USC football recruiting from the experts who know what they're talking about. Which players have an offer, which ones don't, who the coaches like, and who our experts like. And now, here are your co-hosts for the Trojan Blast Recruiting Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher Ryan Abraham and uscfootball.com national recruiting analyst Gerard Martinez. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast. On a Wednesday, we are talking USC recruiting, USC coaching hires with Gerard Martinez, the national recruiting analyst for uscfootball.com. You can follow him on Twitter at gmartlive. We're going to answer some of your recruiting questions. We'll talk about the latest news with recruiting. He actually hosted a chat, a premium chat on uscfootball.com last night. You can check that out. You can see the full tra- chat transcript, actually the entire chat, up on uscfootball.com right now for our members only. If you have any questions for us, you want to email them into the podcast, email simple, podcast at uscfootball.com. Send it to that email address, or if you want to leave us a voicemail, a couple different ways, 641 715 Call that number in extension 816-646, or you can do it on our website, peristylepodcast.com, on the left side of the page. If you would like to subscribe, the best way, go to itunes.com slash peristylepodcast. Lots of different ways to consume the show. You don't have to watch it if you're listening to it on your computer. You can do it on your phone, you know, put it through the Bluetooth in your car. I, that's what I started doing all uh, with all my podcasts now. I love doing that in the car. No more, no more radio with commercials, so go to itunes.com slash peristyle podcast if you take a minute to give us a five-star rating that would be wonderful as well and uh kind of a long intro there gerard but let's bring you in what's up gerard how are you that that was not a rapid fire intro that was not but you know <laughs> there's some information we got to get out there we gotta let people know how you can consume the show how you get a hold of us um it's the holidays gerard you know we're, it's happy times. we want to hear from people see what they're up to yeah and people are distracted and so uh, hopefully if you're out driving and you're listening to the podcast, don't concentrate too hard on the podcast because I might be out there driving too and <laughs> I don't need to get, uh, you know, T-boned <laughs> going through a uh, going through an intersection because somebody's listening to our podcast. Wouldn't that be the most uh, ironic thing ever, right? If, uh, if you got hit by somebody and they, they rear-ended you and you got out of your car and all you hear is Ryan Abraham's intro to the podcast and going, wait a second, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> it's funny. Yeah, there, a lot of people, I mean, we run into people all the time that, oh, oh, you're Ryan or you're Gerard or whatever. Keely gets it a lot too, our intern. She's a, a junior at USC. She said one of her neighbors that, like, that she's known for years and years, uh, she went over there. So I think he was listening to the podcast or something. And she, he's like, <laughs> he's a big, U- she goes, yeah, he's a big uscfootball.com fan. And like, he's never mentioned it to me. He's like, oh, I watch your videos all the time and blah, blah, blah. It's, it's, it's funny. We're kind of like, uh, famous in the small circle. If you're a, a USC person, people tend to know who we are. Well, we got a lot to talk about. Uh, this is going to be like a hybrid podcast. I guess it's not going to be a complete recruiting blast because at this point in time, a lot with recruiting is tied into the coaching staff and the coaching hires. And you mentioned the premium chat that we had last night, and there was a lot of questions about the coaching staff and a lot of redundant questions. A lot of people just want to know, hey, what's the news on the defensive coordinator? You know, what's the news with the defensive staff, off-the-line coach? You know, are there any big names floating around out there? What are the latest rumors? So, obviously, that's tied in a lot with recruiting because at this point, the recruits are sort of in the same spot as a lot of the fans are. You know, they want to know who these position coaches are going to be. And a lot of connections or relationships that may be prior built with a coach coming into USC could change the recruiting target list a bit. And we updated the recruiting target list with a lot of new offers going on the defensive side of the ball, a lot of new defensive line offers, sort of rush-in, outside linebacker offers. So we're seeing, you know, a little bit of change in terms of the strategy and where USC is going in terms of priority by position. And it seems like they definitely want to kind of inject uh, some more options into the defensive line recruiting. And obviously that leaves open to some conjecture and speculation as to whether USC is going to go to a four-man front and run a 4-3 defense next year as opposed to a three-man front. Well, do you want to talk we, – so we've we got the different topics. Do you want to go coaching stuff first? Do you want to talk recruiting first? What would you like? Let's talk recruiting because we've got two guys that uh, are early enrollees um, that uh, officially visited USC a couple weeks ago, uh, five-star defensive end from Sarah Olawale-Betiku, 
Uh, Wale Betiku is uh, a five-star, about 6'4", uh, 245 pounds, uh, a guy that was actually committed to UCLA earlier in uh, the recruiting process, decommitted there, and now reconsidering USC, and now looks like he's going to end up at USC. He's supposed to announce his commitment uh, probably within the next week or so. Uh, he's going to do it at the Under Armour All-American game, which is July, or excuse me, July, uh, January 2nd. I wish it was July. It would be a lot, <laughs> lot less uh, crazy right now. Uh, but uh, January 2nd is when the Under Armour all-Star game is, but he's not going to play in the game. He's got a shoulder injury. So it's uh, kind of up in the air whether he's actually going to announce at the game or maybe just announces during the week or maybe at Christmas and he can surprise us all and, uh, you know, cause me to have to drop everything and go write a story. You never know. These things uh, uh, are always, uh, you know, kind of um, come out of left field with recruiting. Um, and then Christmas Eve, of course, you're going to have the uh, the announcement of uh, four-star safety uh, from San Marcos Mission Hills High School, Troy Warner. And uh, he was also on that official visit uh, the weekend that uh, Ola Walibetiku was on the official visit. And uh, he is choosing between USC and BYU, currently committed to BYU, still committed to BYU, and he noted that. Um, And so, you know, a lot of people kind of wondering, well, if you're going to make an announcement on Twitter, this is what we anticipate, why exactly would you announce that you're still committed uh, to BYU? Um, a lot of people kind of read into that and thinking, well, you're making an announcement. You're making an announcement that uh, you're going to go to USC. Now, he's grown up a big USC fan, family, huge USC fans. Uh, he was overjoyed with that offer. And normally, and I said this in chat, it would be a slam dunk for USC. This would be, yeah, USC going away. But we're at a weird time with USC. We're at this weird quasi half a staff, Clay Helton gets promoted to be the head coach after being the offensive coordinator and interim coach. A lot of talk about Pat Hayden possibly stepping down. It, it's a tumultuous uh, odd time during this, 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 this era of USC with a lot of instability and uncertainty, and that kills recruiting. So I am a little hesitant to say that Troy Warner is 100% USC. Um, I go back and forth on it. I told everybody in the chat that I was sort of on the fence about him. Uh, I'm sort of 45, 55 thinking maybe he does just stay committed to BYU. Uh, I know through sources that he certainly has yet to tell USC explicitly um, behind the scenes off record that he's going to USC. Uh, so we know that. Uh, we know that, um, uh, you know, he's had conversations with the new BYU staff, which is not really – put together as a staff. They just hired their new head coach, the defensive coordinator from Oregon, um, was it Kalani uh, Siaki? Um, Kalani Sataki, and, yeah. Yes, and, 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 and you know, Siaki has a great reputation with the Polynesian community, um, and, and he's really a coach that has a lot of respect in, in, uh, in that region, uh, but does that really play towards Troy Warner, who's from Southern California, not Polynesian? Um, he is LDS, but he's not going to take a Mormon mission, or at least that's the plan. His brother has not taken a Mormon mission, went to BYU, but just didn't have any interest in the Mormon mission, at least coming out of high school. He may do it after college. Um, so, you know, there's there's some, some things there. It's, it's just more, I think, the uncertainty with USC, which gives me hesitation than, um, you know, I think he's full on with BYU because the BYU that he committed to is not quite the BYU now. And while, you know, Siaki May ends up being a great uh, head coaching hire for them in the long term, um, certainly he's a bit of an unknown and a question mark right now with no head coaching experience. So he's kind of in that same um, arena with Clay Helton. Uh, but Clay Helton, we have seen win some football games as a head coach at USC. So there is a little bit of a track record there. And certainly um, Troy Warner knows the staff at USC a little better, um, although you know, Keith Hayward, the defensive backs coach, was fired, and that was the guy that was recruiting him uh, for, for the long term uh, for USC. Now Peter Sherman has come in as the lone defensive coach on the staff and kind of taken over the recruitment of just about everybody, every new offer that's gone out for USC. Uh, so, yeah, sort of on the fifth, Troy Warner, less so about uh, Oluwale Betiku. I think he's going to end up at USC. Um, so we're going to see what happens here. Could be one of those things that, you know, between now and New Year's, USC could have not only two new commitments – 
but two new enrollees as well. And I think that's something that's very significant. USC could end up having eight early enrollees in a very quality class when you already talk about the guys that uh, are, are already committed and already ready to enroll, like Michael Pittman, uh, Josh Imatorbebe. Uh, you're going to have Matt Fink, the quarterback, Nathan Smith, the uh, offensive tackle. Um, you've got a really good, stellar, solid group to build on, you know, going into January or yeah, going into January, kind of finishing up their signing day. So uh, we'll see how it all shakes out. But that's kind of the immediate uh, focus. And, and, and certainly, you know, Troy Warner is going to make a decision before the bowl game, but the bowl game is going to be the launching point for this, this class to finish strong. If they can beat Wisconsin, and this is very much acknowledged by everybody in McKay Center and Heritage Hall, uh, they can build some momentum, and there'll be some excitement on the recruiting trail going forward uh, in the new season for Clay Health in the first offseason he has a head coach. If they don't win that game, even with some good hires, there's going to be challenges. There's going to be some challenges to get big names. It's going to be a bit of a challenge, I think, for USC to finish in that top ten uh, from a, a recruiting class standpoint. It may be a ten, you know, through 13, 14 type class, uh, but I think if they, they kind of hit everything and, and do it right after a big win, um, then they should be a top 10 class. I could see them finishing, you know, top eight, top seven, something like that. All right. Um, well, we have a couple of recruiting questions too, and uh, then we'll probably talk about some coaching stuff, uh, unless we have other topics, but we'll go with Jarrett first. He wants to know, uh, any top junior college, junior college targets for the Trojans or just personal favorites of yours, we have scored on guys that got snaps right away the last few years. Hope for some good news, Jarrett. Yeah, not a lot of talk of, of junior college prospects this round with USC. And, um, you know, they're a little bit of a pain in the butt for USC to, to get qualified. And so it's one of those things that it is a very long process. Usually you don't have guys, you know, early in the process that are targeted as uh as top junior college prospects by USC. It's really been one of those things that sort of happens over the summer. Uh they now have a junior college camp, which I think is a great idea. Um but we didn't see anybody at that junior college camp that really stood out as a this is a guy that USC has to offer. And I think in that setting when you have uh some some okay players, if you had some great level players that were guys that were going to make any immediate impact, they probably would have jumped out. Um, so we really didn't see a lot of marquee names that showed up at that camp, unfortunately. And I think from there, that's why you've seen just not a ton of, uh, of focus put on the junior college prospects. Now, I mean, that's not to say that USC doesn't have some guys that they might be looking at. I mean, the junior college, uh, I, I think, um, you know, talent pool is pretty good this year. Uh, it's a little more national. Um, I think USC would have to kind of go outside of the bubble of, of California um, maybe from a from a position standpoint, you, when you call in junior college, you're really kind of looking defensive line first and foremost because those guys are plug and play, and, and that's what the SEC does. A lot of those schools back there, they have some guys that they'll sign and maybe tuck away somewhere, and they'll spend two years in junior college, and then they'll bring them out. Um, and, and USC hasn't been able to do that. And, again, I think it's a real great issue that they just can't get these guys qualified. Um, but there is one guy at Snow College uh, up in Utah that, that USC has been in contact with, um, handsome, uh, I think it's, uh, Tanai Leo. Um, not really sure about his last name pronunciation. He's a guy that's come up in conversations here and there, 6'3", 310 pound, uh, defensive tackle. Um, a guy that, you know, maybe USC looks at, they have not offered him a scholarship, uh, but he is a little bit of a plug and play guy and USC has been very active, uh, not just on the defensive line, but actually with just Polynesian players, which is interesting. And it kind of sort of makes you wonder, if Mike Tuiasosopo, uh, who was brought in this year just as an administrative assistant, he's a guy that was actually an outside linebackers coach for UCLA last year and then was fired, uh, if he doesn't have maybe a little more say in where USC's going with defensive line recruiting. Um, because it definitely the, the Polynesian players have been sort of the guys uh, that uh, have kind of jumped out as far as getting you know new scholarship offers. And not to take it off track of you know talking about junior college players, but – I think at the high school level, that's where the offers have gone out. Boss Tagaloa is a guy that just got offered 6'100", uh, 6'1", 295-pound defensive tackle from Concord de la Salle High School, a guy that a lot of USC fans were sort of chirping for getting a scholarship offer during the spring. It never came and never came, mainly because Chris Wilson, the defensive line coach at USC at that point, 
just didn't like his physical profile, and, and I understand it. Uh, Boss Tagaloa is a, is a short, stubby, fire hydrant type defensive tackle, doesn't have the long arms. And I think if you're playing in a two-gap system, you want guys that are taller and you want guys that have more reach and can really get off blocks with their arm length. And Boss Tagaloa is a little more of a stumper. He's a plugger. He's a guy that's a, a one-gap type guy, uh, a guy that's going to shoot in there and play in the phone booth. He's not a big play kind of get away from your, you know, your assignment, uh, gap assignment. And, and make a play downfield type of thing. And so, you know, if you're going to a 4-3, I can sort of see where Boss Sagalo might be a little better player for you. Um, he's more strong than he is fast. He's more quick uh, than he is, you know, athletic overall. Uh, so more of a kind of a run stopper when you've got guys around him, like a three technique or a defensive end, that are better pass rushers. Um, you know, you've got uh, a couple actual Utah commits that USC just offered, uh, Lakai or Lakey. Uh, depending on, you know, how you want to pronounce that. Um, he pronounces it Lakey. Uh, Fatua, who's a guy that, uh, phenomenal on film. Um, he, he really is going to be a great player. <laughs> I, I think he's one of those guys that diamond in the rough type guy didn't play football last year. 6'6, 250 pound defensive end. Like I said, committed to Utah. He's ranked 150th defensive end, uh, in the nation. But when you watch not only his film playing football just from this past year, and again, he doesn't have any junior film, it's all senior film, you got to look at that along with some of his rugby film, because he's actually a rugby player, and he grew up in San Leandro, California, and played rugby, but wanted to play football, and wasn't kind of getting the support and feedback from his coaches there, and I, I guess he just kind of had some trouble in school, so his parents decided to move him out, go to Herman, uh, Utah, and go to Herman High School, and now he's there. And when you watch him play rugby especially, you see a guy with just tremendous size making great agile moves, just really quick on his feet, um, just athletically. you just got some wow factor, the way he moves. And so uh, potentially a Leonard Williams-type player uh, when you look at him, completely raw. And there's obviously a lot of questions to him, but I think just looking at the film, just looking at his athleticism, I mean, his – his ceiling is very, very high. And so that's a guy that you could bring in, um, certainly. And, and that seems to be really where USC is going more with their focus in terms of recruiting. Uh, they're not going out of the junior college guys. Uh, they got the two junior college receivers. And um, they have had some success here and there with some junior college players. But it's really a limited um, number of guys that they've taken to really kind of have a scale and to judge by. Um, I, I think they just – Right now, and again, we're talking about half a coaching staff, and we really don't know what Clay Helton would do from ground zero. Um, they're going more for the, the high school guys, and they want to develop them within the system and have them go through the system and then be able to put them on the field instead of uh, sort of hiring the mercenary junior college guys to come in um, at the defensive line or, or even the offensive line. Uh, there's really been very few targets, let alone scholarship offers, that have gone out on the junior college level. Um, this, okay, this, this question will be a nice transition, I think, to the, uh, the coaching speak, uh, Gerard, the coaching topics. Uh, this is from Jim. He said, does T. Martin's promotion open the door for Amari Rogers to recommit or is he going elsewhere? Yeah, it does open the door and, and he will recommit. I think at this point, they just sort of want to give it some space. Uh, he may go through the spring, take some unofficial visits not make it look like, oh, well, you know, my dad's off to coordinator now, so that's where I'm going. But definitely, I think it can't be understated enough um, or overstated enough, I should say. He's 100%, uh, I think, going to end up at USC. I think it's a big deal that his dad's the offensive coordinator, and they have a great relationship. Um, obviously, you know, they're, they're not living together. Um, but there's a chance, actually, that they will be living together and that Amari will move to Southern California. There was some talk of him moving to Southern California, actually going to Sarah High School uh, last year. Um, but, you know, his dad's like, you know what, stay put. You know, you, you could use the stability. Um, I like where you're at right now uh, and, and just keep doing what you're doing. But certainly now that, you know, T. Martin is the, the offensive coordinator and there's certainly uh, some stability there with him and his position at USC and he's not going to be looking around. Uh, I think that Amari Rogers is, is definitely going to end up at USC. I, I would be very, very surprised. Uh, even though Clemson came in just lately, and Clemson is kind of a dream offer for him. He really likes Clemson. I just can't see him going anywhere but USC. All right. Um, well, let's talk some coaching stuff. And so just to give people a 
uh, a little background. We've on our message boards and on Twitter, we've seen a lot of uh, there's kind of like two camps. And certainly there's been a lot of turmoil around the program right now, Gerard, you could agree. Um, and there's people that kind of fall into one of two categories. We have the what people lovingly call uh, the sunshine pumpers. So everything is wonderful. Everything's awesome. Don't worry about it. Like, the, you know, it's rookie head coach, it's a, you know, rookie offensive coordinator, no problem. Everything's fine. And then there's the kind of the doomsayers, the doom and gloomers that no matter what USC does, uh, even if they win a game, it's terrible. Like all, you know, and it, obviously not everyone just falls into the two categories, but they kind of, that's kind of an even dividing point. There's people that are just very, Yes, Clay Helton's the best coach you could have possibly gotten. There's other people like, how the heck did USC only go after Clay Helton and not anyone else? Um, I mean, you've seen that, right, Gerard? I mean, it's just, it's kind of like the obvious, uh, camps that the, the, the board has split up into. Unfortunately, yeah, there's a lot of division and it sort of was something that we saw with Lane Kiffin, uh, who, who himself was a divisive personality. I don't think Clay Helton is that way, but in terms of the fan base and, you know, what they want to get behind. I think there's obviously a big division and it's unfortunate because it's usually USC fans going other uh, after other USC fans. And then you get the complaining about the complaining, uh, which is probably the worst thing. It's the most annoying thing because, you know, it's like, look at, you know, we understand that people are going to be critical of the decisions that have been made. They're not infallible decisions. And, and obviously even if they were decisions to bring in guys that were proven head coaches, they're not infallible, but there would be a track record. There would be something there to speak to uh, that that is a legitimate defense in terms of you know who we hired and why we went through the process of hiring them. And I think most people can can understand that. There can be some reason there. But you know when you go out and you you, you hire the guy that was just the interim coach and he's had mixed results. You know I think it's fair to say um, you're going to have people that very much disagree with the way that the uh, the administration has run the football program. And so, you know, there's people that believe, I think philosophically, that if you're a USC fan, you support the team no matter what. You support the team through bad decisions. It's a school that you want to. And there's obviously that sort of sub-debate as to, well, there's the fans and then there's the alums. Yeah. And, you know, the alums went to the school. So no matter what USC does, you should support them. You know, no matter if they have a head coach that ends up being, you know, a really bad guy and just tanks the program. No matter what, you should be a fan and you should just hold your tongue because you went to USC. And then there's the fan aspect of people that just grew up in Southern California. And obviously there hasn't been an NFL team here for quite a while. And USC has become kind of a de facto uh, NFL team. Um, those people, you know, they can kind of jump on and off the bandwagon. And because maybe they're not as glued in to the program, maybe see, you know, the force through the trees a little more. And, and so they kind of say, well, I can take a step back. I didn't go there. I'm still a fan. I still love the team. I love the school, but they're not doing things that, you know, I'm in love with. And so I'm going to speak out about it. And, and not all people that have gone to the school agree that, Hey, you know what? I mean, there's plenty of alums that are just right along everybody. I mean, we had people that have basically said, I'm done giving to the football program. I went there. I got two degrees from there, but right now the people that are in charge aren't doing the program justice. And so why would I give money and support bad decisions? Like, that just makes things worse. They're just going to sit there and keep taking my money and smiling and, you know, nothing will change. So it, it, I understand, you know, there's there's the – there's the and, and it's not, you know, sunshine pumpers and doomers and gloomers in, in that you know, extreme. Um, and really I think what we've seen on the peristyle now since moving to Scout is a lot more intelligent discussion. And there is that sort of name-calling that goes back and forth, but I think – Generally, it's really more people debating um, the issues, and obviously they're different sides and they argue about it, but it's not just the inflammatory name-calling that we've seen before when Len Kiffin was head coach and had to deal with. And so it's tough, I understand it, um, but that's sort of the layout right now, and it's, and, it, and it's only going to get worse until one of two things happens. Clay Hall wins the Pac-12 championship, and then that's a question that comes up. You know, what does Clay Helton have to do? He he has to win a Pac-12 championship in the next two years, I think is what he has to do, yeah. um, in order for to quell some of these concerns and some of the criticism that's, that's there. Um, 
And, and then you'll have a little bit of a sort of an aftermath of, well, we told you so. We told you Clay Hilton was – and there will be people coming out of the woodwork to say, oh, yeah, that was a great hire, just like he did with Pete Carroll. And then it's like, you know, we're going to push that in your face, and then it will take, you know, a while for that to kind of subside. And then if Clay Hilton continues to win, then okay. Or Clay Hilton will not win, and we'll see, you know, obviously a, a not a good season next year. And then the following season will obviously be one of those things where – um, the tide may turn as to whether you really have a lot of sunshine pumpers that are willing to step up and say, yeah, this was a good hire, and yeah, I still support the team no matter what. It doesn't matter. They only win five games. That's still a great team. I still love them, and I'm never going to say anything bad about them. I think that will obviously diminish, and then you'll get you know, more push. And at some point, just like with Lane Kiffin, uh, you'll get more people on board of, of, of one side, and, and it will become less divisive because there's just too many people on one side saying, yeah, he needs to be fired. Yeah, the Lane Kiffin thing was weird because the Sunshine Pumpers uh, were like kind of ruling the roost for a while when he won 10 games, and they kind of beat into submission the doom and gloomers who hated Kiffin from the start, so they were kind of shut up. But then he he imploded, and the, the, so the doom and gloomers came back and just pummeled the Sunshine Pumpers. It was this crazy war. Um, one, of the, the, one of the kind of takes, which I don't agree with, um, Gerard, I want to read this. This is kind of long. I'll probably I'll try to skip some of it. Uh, Steven San Diego wrote in. This is definitely not, this is one we've seen where people are saying, well, it's not, here's the reason why USC didn't hire someone good because they can't anymore. I certainly don't buy that, but let me read what, what he says and get your thoughts. He said, Merry Christmas to you and the podcast crew. I'm hoping you can, uh, summarize this better than I can. I know there are a lot of negative towards Coach Helton, uh, Coach Helton's staff so far. I believe the criticism is legitimate. However, I do think there's one thing that most of us uh, are considering. First, I love being a Trojan. I love my time at SC. I'm not Scott Wolf. I like to look at the positive first. I've always been very proud of my school and its tradition until recently. I agree on the surface. The recent hires seem lazy. Pat Hayden does not appear to have put forth in any effort. In addition, we look to not be willing to pay top-tier money for a top-tier coach. Pat Hayden seems to take the frugal approach to hiring out football coaches. Note to Pat, pay a qualified guy. You won't have to lowball his salary uh, so you can have an easy buyout. We constantly hear USC is a top five job in the country, but is it really? My Trojan pride wants to say yes. But if we all take a step back and objectively look at USC, it looks like an absolute disaster. Think about it. What other athletic director's name have you heard as much as Pat Hayden's? What other school have you heard of having five different coaches in four years? Does any other school come close to half as many problems as USC has? Uh, would you quit your secure job to go work for a boss who wouldn't at least try to fight for his kids, his program, his alma mater, and sue the NCAA? Penn State was harboring a child molester. They sued and got sanctions reduced. Pat just smiled and took it. I'm guessing Coach Held is making $1.5 to $2 million a year with his salary that low. How much is SC going to pay his assistant coaches? If you're a top-notch coach in college football, are you going to take a chance on all the drama and the mess uh, that is USC football for a lower salary? I would not. Um, he kind of keeps going on along those he, but he's basically saying, and he, he goes on in the next paragraph is it's not a top job. Uh, it could potentially be the top job, but our egos are not allowing us to, uh, imagine this. So he kind of goes on. He says, you know, fight on Merry Christmas, uh, Steven San Diego. Maybe get your thoughts on all of that, Gerard. I agree with a lot of it. Um, it's very understandable and certainly I've had that question come into my own head having covered USC for the past 11 going on 12 years now is it the top job that we all assumed it was when Pete Carroll left um you know obviously all the the tangibles are there the school has the money or at least we're told it has the money I mean they're certainly building like they have the money in Los Angeles which is not a cheap place to build and you've got uh you know the University Village project you've got some exposition projects going on um, so from that standpoint, it looks like, yeah, they certainly have the money. It's a private school. Uh, you've got tremendous tradition. Uh, you've got a tremendous talent pool, you know, to pull from. Uh, there's a lot of positives to the job, but in terms of what the results we're seeing in terms of the guys that they're hiring, it's open to debate. Uh, and I, I think obviously we don't know what's going to happen with Clay Helton. He could be fantastic. I mean, people didn't know what was going to happen with Pete Carroll. And certainly I don't want to try to draw any, similarities between those two coaching hires because there's not a whole lot. Uh, certainly, I think the last line I had in Coach Helton's profile when I wrote it uh, during the coaching search, if you want to call it that much, 
um, was that, you know, Clay Helton was not like Lane Kiffin and was not like Steve Sarkeesian. It's certainly not like Pete Carroll, but more so the two last head coaches a lot of people want to draw similarities to because, well, they're the last two head coaches, and there were two unproven offensive minds that were brought in. I think the one big difference is that both Lane Kiffin and Steve Sarkeesian were brought in because of their association with success their association with what USC had done with Pete Carroll. That was a big driving, I think, force in bringing both of those coaches in. Yeah, they were unproven. They didn't have a lot on their resume to, to say, yes, they have built a program, or they've even won with somebody else's talent and kept a program going. Lane Kiffin had his one year there at Tennessee. He had a year with the Raiders. Neither were overly successful. And Steve Sarkeesian, yeah, he brought Washington back from not winning any games to being a seven-win type team and a bowl team, uh, but not necessarily showing that he could win big games or play at that elite level uh, that USC fans want to see USC get back to. Those guys, though, had the association with Pete Carroll, and they had the association at least as coordinators to see what Pete Carroll did and to understand sort of what made USC successful. So it was USC-centric, and they understood what worked at USC. At least that was the argument. With Lane Kiffin and and Sarkeesian, that differs from what you have with Clay Helton. Because Clay Helton is now being hired not for his past association with success at USC, but despite his past association with failures at USC. He's been a part of the two coaching staffs that have not been able to win more than 11 games in that one season that you talked about, or 10 games in that one season in 2011. I think they won 11 games in that 2011 season, if I recall. That was the year that they beat Oregon. And it was a fantastic year. Then they had to deal with sanctions. And obviously, that took a big chunk out of their momentum and what they could do from a recruiting standpoint, and just in terms of fielding talent. I mean, at one point, you're talking about 46, 48 players that are scholarship players that are playing for USC, playing against teams that you know, are fielding 80 scholarship players. Um, that was difficult. It was something that, you know, they couldn't overcome. Obviously, Lane Kiffin, with his personality, I think he became, became easy to hate. A lot of people didn't like him when he was at USC as a coordinator. He kind of burned some bridges with some people. He had, uh, for, you know, fair or not, sort of that um, that label of being sort of a silver spoon kid. Oh, he's there because... He's Monty's son, and Monty is Pete's mentor, so that's basically why he has the job he has. Um, and, and so, you know, that went south. And, and then Sarkeesian, obviously, his personal issues sort of derailed him. I still do believe that C. Sarkeesian would still be the head coach at USC and probably still have another year um, winning eight games uh, if he would have just kind of ste- steered clear of any kind of personal issues off the field. He wasn't able to do that. So we saw two eras that really just never matriculated into anything and didn't have the success, yet that was also where Clay Helton was a coordinator and a coach, and now he's kind of been brought up through that. Now, the argument on the other side will be he's getting hired because of his coaching ability. You can't say that he's being hired because, well, he knew Pete Carroll and he was there when Pete Carroll was good or he was there when some other coach came in and had all the success and he really didn't have anything to do with that success. He was just there along for the ride because there was not a lot of success. So he wasn't hired for that reason. Uh, He was hired because Pat Hayden believes he has the tangibles and the intangibles to be a good head coach, a leader, a guy that coordinates and manages uh, understands the game and understands how USC works. Um, that's got to be the argument from uh, the administration and the people that have hired him. So very different than Lane Kiffin and C. Sarkeesian, and certainly very different than Pete Carroll because Pete Carroll had an immense amount of experience, not only just as a head coach. And I say immense, he was a head coach at two different franchises, was fired pretty quickly by both New England and the Jets, but he had an immense amount of experience as a defensive coordinator in the NFL. I mean, he, he was all over the place and, and was a part of some very successful uh, teams in the NFL. So, you know, Clay Helm doesn't have that. He was a coordinator at Memphis, came to USC, was a position coach, then made passing coordinator, then made offensive coordinator, and so really it's a much smaller uh, window that we have to look through to, to kind of know what kind of coach he is and what kind of person he is and how he'll be able to deal going forward with you know, USC and uh, the hurdles that come as being a USC coach to try to get them back to that success. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's very, very understandable that people are going to pull holes. And then at the same time, 
we don't know. And, and I would say with any coach, and, and obviously it's easier to ask of this if you're bringing in Jim Harbaugh or Chip Kelly or somebody you could point to that had prior success somewhere else and say, well, look at what they built there. It just takes time. But you still, if you're a USC fan and you really want USC to be good, you want them to win, you, you kind of do just have to sit back and not – it doesn't do no good to just say, oh, they're terrible and they're going to be terrible and this is a terrible hire and the process is terrible and just rail on that continuously night and day until they lose a game and you can say, I told you so. I, because then you're just a fan of your own ego. You're a fan of being able to say, I told you so. That's what you're really about. You're not about USC and hoping to see they win, their win. You want to see yourself win. <laughs> and you want to be able to get ahead of the curve and say, oh, see, look, at I told you all, I'm a genius. You should fire Ryan and make me the publisher because I could tell you what's going to happen in the future. And that's where it gets irritating for people and that are fans that just want to go on the message board, have a good time, talk to some SC players, or excuse me, some, some SC fans about SC players and about, you know, just hope, hoping, you know, hey, man, this, we're going to live vicariously through some success and, and see the team win and remind, remember, make those memories of being there the, at the Coliseum when Pete Carroll was kicking, you know, Nebraska's ass and Ohio State's butt, going down to Auburn and, and, and showing the SEC, you know, that they play football in the Pac-12, Pac-10, you know, that kind of stuff. And, and that's what they really hope for. And I think that should be kept in mind by those that, while they are, they have, you know, merit for an argument and they, they, they can be contrarians and, and there's, there's a lot of skillful, well thought out, um, you know, conversation there and debate there about the process of the hire and how it was not good for USC and how USC needs to change its culture from really the top down. And we're talking the top, not at Clay Helton. And I think the one thing that's good about Clay Helton is that he personality wise is not going to be as divisive as Lane Kiffin. So I don't think the 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 vitriol is going towards him really. I think it's really going more towards Pat Hayden, uh, Nikias, uh, the the BOT, and and I, I talked to the, the food chain of the Blaine game. It you know with Lane Kiffin, it was Lane Kiffin. Then when it became Sark, and Sark wasn't doing well, all of a sudden people are starting to look higher and higher. And it's not oh well the head coach is no good. It's the people that are hiring them, and then the people that are hiring those people that are making the hiring that the fans are starting to look at. And I get that, I understand it, but again, always just go back to, I'm a USC fan, and really, am I more about my opinion being right and being a fan of my own ego, or am I really a fan of this team? I just sit back and wait, and hey, we all know what's going on. We all know why, if it doesn't work, what happened and why it didn't work. So I think we've gone past that point. And hopefully when we get into spring ball, people kind of turn their attention towards hey, I hope the team does well. I hope we see some good things in spring ball. I hope some of these coaches that may be inexperienced and unproven can show that they're gems and that, you know what, it's a different era at USC. It's not Lane Kiffin. It's not Steve Sarkeesian. It's not even Pete Carroll. And hopefully Clay Helton, what they saw on him as a coach and not because of association with somebody else's success, works at USC. Wow. That was a good one, Gerard. Long question, long answer. Um, <laughs> yes, not rapid fire. No, well, okay. So the one last point Steve was making was that USC is going to suck basically until Pat Hayden is gone. We all kind of think that Pat Hayden's not long for the job. Um, you know, what will it be an internal hire where you just kind of keep the same sort of thing going? You have a different guy in there, but really the same kind of philosophies and stuff. Probably at this point, we just don't know, but I do have an issue with the people that say that it's not a top five job. If you talk to college football people around the country, they look at it still as a top five job because you're, it's different than, than being like Alabama. You are the top dog on the West coast. Like you basically there's, it's, it's like you have some of the advantages that Alabama has, but Alabama also has recruiting against LSU and Auburn and Georgia. And you don't really have that. If, if a recruit, if USC wants to recruit on the West coast, it, for the most part, they can get them. You know, they're the top dog, not all the time, but the top dog. Yeah. There's, it's kind of like the, the best, it's the best pizza parlor in New York City. You're in Manhattan. This is the best pizza, but there's spray, there's spray paint on the outside. There's graffiti on the, the building and stuff. But if you go inside, the pizza's still the best. It's still damn good. They still put the most guys in the NFL. Half of the, the Pac 12 all century team were all USC guys. That's, it's still a top five job. Yeah, there's weird stuff going on right now, but because you look at this team and you look at the young talent, it's not a rebuilding thing. You basically just need someone 
who's competent to be able to run it. And I think that's why some people have confidence in Clay Helton because you you probably don't even need the greatest coach ever. You'd like to go out and try to get one. But anyone that just doesn't screw it up, like Lane Kiffin screwed it up and Steve Sarkeesian screwed it up, you're probably going to do all right. And um, But, I, you know, so I, I think this is sometimes a sunshine pumper excuse. Well, USC is really not that good of a job anymore, which is weird for a sunshine pumper to say. It's not that good of a job anymore, and that who would want to take it? No, there's lots of people that would want to take it. I mean, there's it's it's still trust me, it's still a top five job. Okay, I'll play devil's advocate a little bit here. All right, I don't I don't know if it's a top five job. I, I will say that there's a little bit of doubt that has creeped into my mind about that, um, and here's why: the administration and their investment in football. Now, what you brought up was a lot of recruiting, and I get that, and I understand that's a big deal for a coach to come in and to be able to get recruits. Um, But recruiting has become national now, more so than it has before. Uh, Now, we still see a lot of regional bias and, you know, kids that don't want to leave and go too far from home, but because of the Internet, you know, and, and technology and cell phones and everything, I think the world has gotten a little smaller. And so even if you're kind of outside of the cusp of a, of a real, you know, hardcore recruiting region, you can still get guys. I don't know if coaches are completely, oh, that's the only thing they're looking at, or that's a, even a main thing they're looking at. I think it's important, but is it as important as having an administration that is going to put dollars behind you and support behind you when it comes to getting facilities done, when it comes to recruiting, and we just talked about the junior college thing. That was a question that came up. Who's USC looking on, looking at uh, the junior college trail to try to bring in to kind of inject some immediate con- contributions, some guys that, you know, have physically mature can come right in and boom and play. And we've seen over the years USC's academic prowess has raised. And, of course, it's a university. So, I mean, I understand that that's got to be the priority. And if USC wants to become the West Coast version of Harvard or become, you know, baby Stanford – then I get it, but do you have to completely sacrifice going after certain guys for that? And obviously there's all line. Stanford's not recruiting junior college players. They never do, and they've been successful. But USC has sort of a tradition of being able to get some guys that are junior college players and be successful. So you're comparing with Alabama. Alabama's got, you know, offensive linemen, offensive tackles that come in every year that are, you know, four-star, five-star guys that they're getting from the junior college ranks. And so – those players are obviously a big recruiting boost for the team, and you want as a head coach to be able to have that option to do that if you come in. And USC, yeah, they, they sort of struggled to be able to get those guys in. So from a recruiting standpoint, there's that. That's a hurdle for USC. But I think more it's, you know, okay, we got the McKay Center up. Look, it, it's great and everything. And then you're looking around the Pac-12, you're going, yeah, but you're still nowhere close to Oregon facility-wise. You're not even on the same – level as Washington at this point. Yeah, you're beating UCLA, but who isn't? I mean, there's a lot of programs out there now that are pumping facilities up like crazy. USC's still sort of behind on that and behind on, well, we're going to renovate the Coliseum, $230 million. And then you're looking and going, where's the $200 million going to? It looks like a $30 million renovation. Um, There are some hurdles and some issues. And of course, the most glaring of it all it's just the instability and the lack of ability by those that are in charge to step back and say, let's go after the most prized person that has the most qualifications and bring that person in and not kind of dip into the nepotism of, well, they have to have gone to USC or they have to have some association with USC. And I don't necessarily know that this is the conversation behind the scenes, that that's actually you know, people are sitting around the table and Pat Hayden is talking to Nikias and talking to the BOT members and they all come to the conclusion, yeah, that guy's great, but he didn't go to USC and doesn't have anything to do with USC. He never coached here before as an assistant coach, so we can't, we got to cross him off the list. I don't think that's happening, but when other coaches look at it and they see that they're really just hiring guys that have been made assistants, it does put a little bit of a negative connotation on the job. I think it's sort of, you, you're devaluing the job by bringing people in that may not be the most qualified. And so from that standpoint, I think Morini is dragging the reputation of USC down. People are looking and seeing it and going, if it's a top five job 
why are they not hiring top five people? And so that question open-ended. And we'll see. I mean, Pete Carroll certainly wasn't a top five candidate when they brought him in. Uh, maybe he was a top four candidate within USC's own little bubble. <laughs> and they were forced to kind of go to him, and he had, you know, no prior reputation with USC. Um, but he made it happen, and he obviously got him a national championship. And to give credit to USC then, because they matched. Anybody going after him, we're going to make you one of the highest paid coaches in college football. So I give them credit there. But it was almost like they had to be proven, you know, hey, this guy's going to keep winning. He's doing something special. You better turn around and pay the money. They're not willing to put the money ahead of time. You know, it's one of those things. It's, it's, they, they're COD. They would cash on delivery uh, at USC. <laughs> they're not putting in an advanced payment on anybody right now and saying we're going to invest in you and hope you turn out. And then if it doesn't turn out, then, you know, obviously we end up in a place where they're going to have to go rehire somebody else. So at this point, yeah, the seeds are not being sowed. They're kind of, uh, you know, paying a little bit. And we're going to see if, you know, Clay Helton can be a guy that can work himself into being one of the top uh, paid coaches in the NFL, or excuse me, in college football. And I would also add the support staff is another part of this, how much are you willing to pay that USC is well behind on. It's not so much the assistants and the coordinators, and we've had this conversation in the peristyle. USC has done a very good job of paying their assistants and coordinators top dollar. You know, Ed Ergeron was going to be, if he would have stayed, would have been the top um, paid assistant coach in, in college football. Uh, obviously, you know, with Steve Sarkeesian there, only getting paid about three, five, or almost maybe four. He wasn't really of the upper echelon. So you had a little more money you could pay Ed Ergeron if he wanted to come back. They've been willing to do that. The boosters have been willing to step up and say, you know what, we want to keep T. Martin. We're going to make him one of the highest paid, if not the highest paid, wide receiver coaches in the country. Um, he's probably not going to be – super high paid as a, as a coordinator, I wouldn't expect, but he'll get paid a little more too. Um, they've been good about the full-time staff. Where they have not been good and they've been behind the times is the support staff, the auxiliary staff that all these top football programs are going out and hiring now. Alabama with, with hiring guys like Kevin Steele and Tosh Lapoy, full-time coaches. We're talking about guys, Kevin Steele was a defensive coordinator at Clemson and then came to Alabama to be a personnel director. These these programs and the staff, the full-time staff, the head coaches, understand those auxiliary staff, that training staff, that whole off-season staff, they spend as much time with these kids, if not more time, than the full-time staff. So these guys need to be paid good money, too. We're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars. USC's not doing that. Right now, they're grad assistants, and they're not their grad assistants, but their administrative assistants. They're, they're, they're getting, you know, not, they're not even in the six-digit neighborhood at this point. And so that's where they're going to have to start inputting in money and just being cognizant of what, what it takes. I don't think SC knows right now. I don't think they understand. I don't think they're listening. And I know because I'm talking to some of these guys that have come and gone at USC that have been at these levels of being support staff, and they're looking around going, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of guys out here that just graduated from USC, now they're administrative assistants, or they came over from a junior college, and these guys are just trying to pay the bills. They're living week to week. These guys aren't Tosh Lapoy and these guys that are at other colleges that are full-time guys that are coming in here to be, you know, recruiting analysts and all these other weird made-up titles that they give at Ohio State to kind of mask. Yeah, the guy played, you know, was 30 years in the NFL, and he's uh, an administrative assistant. It's like, oh, really? Okay. I guess he's not really coaching. <laughs> yeah, sure. He's there mentoring the full-time staff and getting paid well for it. So USC has to get on the bubble there, and they haven't. So, again, it's all about perception, and everybody looking from the outside in is questioning, is USC a top-five job because are they putting in the investment there and doing what it takes regardless without, oh, well, you know, we've won nine championships in a row. So, okay, yeah, let's pay this guy, you know, what he needs to be paid. you got to do it ahead of time. And so they haven't done that. So I would argue academics, support, finances, uh, the facilities, there's some reasons to maybe doubt that USC's top five or top ten, not or top five. Maybe you know they're certainly top ten, but we're talking top five. So we're talking about Alabama, Michigan, uh, you know, Florida, you know, these type of schools. Um, yeah, you know, again, I mean, we don't want to dive into this, you know, all this much. I think facility-wise, they had the worst in the top twenty-five when Pete Carroll was there, and it's just not. It's not a program that you need to lure people with facilities. You might lose a guy or two or something, but I think they're good enough. I think really the pipeline to the NFL, the tradition and all of that, it's still there. You but wait, need... wait, if you're a coach. Well, hold on. You got a long thing. And... You got to bring in a guy that 
you have to bring in someone that's a powerful figure, and you still can. The problem is this administration has not. They're bringing in people that are kind of thankful to be there. If you brought in someone that has the cachet of a Pete Carroll, you know, uh, uh, you know, Nick Saban or uh, Urban Meyer, they would come in and they would run things and they would run things differently. And they would have they have plenty of resources there to work with. It would be the best thing going. But USC hasn't done that. They've hired guys that have been questionable and it's still the administration kind of running things. So that's. That's my thing. I think you just put in a, well, a, a but really... I think I think you're arguing kind of to the point of the original question that you're that's potential. I think you're arguing to it's a potential top five job for a coach that has a lot of the tools to come in. But right now, are we talking about it being a top five job? I think there's debate because it's been brought down by sort of the quality of hires in the, in the view of fans and media and everybody else. Now we, you know, you can't ask someone who's working at USC, it's a top five job. And they're going to be, of course it is a top five job. The perception is the reality because that's the people who are judging it and everybody in the outside looking in and the coaches themselves that are at other schools have to look at it and go, what is USC doing right now? And I think the association with, the the bringing up people that may not be, you know, the clearly most qualified people that there would be, you know, really very little argument against them being hired. It's not there. And the facilities, like you said, you're Mark D'Antonio and, you know, Michigan State, yeah, they got to build facilities. they got to do something because it's Lansing and there's not a lot going on there and it's cold and you got to have indoor facilities. But if you're looking there and you've got this job and they're building their program around you, you're looking at USC and they go – well, we don't need to build the McKay Center because we don't need to do that because it doesn't snow here. And because, well, you can get recruits regardless. You don't really need facilities to get recruits. I don't know that's a selling point for a guy like that. He wants to say, you know, do it anyways, man. Like, yeah, you don't need the indoor facility, but shoot, you need a practice field. You need two practice fields that are actually 100 yards. You don't need a 150-yard field. How are we supposed to get our stuff done when you've got a practice field that – is is you know 150 yards you know most programs got three full practice fields most programs have football only facilities that are right there they usually have facilities right there within the stadium usc's got to go across the street for that an old decrepit state stadium that has not been renovated that is being fought over by a bunch of politicians with their hands out there's a lot of stuff there that i think coaches that are top-notch coaches you're telling that you're trying to ask them to leave a program or leave an NFL job, which is, you know, cushy and they've got all the facilities they could ever want and the money. Um, you're trying to sell them on these other things like weather and yeah, you know what cost of living sucks, but Hey, what, you know, it's LA and you can, you know, find a thousand Walmarts and Apple stores and the conveniences around you are endless. Um, the beach is there and you, you know, you're trying to kind of plug in all these other things but I think it opens it up to debate, you know, what USC has done over the past few years and whether they've hurt their own reputation with what they've done and how they've done it and whether it looks from the outside in that they're actually putting an investment and support towards football. Yeah. Um, I mean, when you're talking, I mean, obviously it's just a weird, like, what, what does top five mean? I mean, like, if you took a, the rent, you know, Coach A and said, give me your, you know, top ten places you'd like to go coach. And it, obviously it's different for every coach. Um because of the potential, I still think you would put USC in there. But all right, we we went down this rat hole, and so we kind of gave you both sides of that. Um, it was a good question uh, from. Jim. I say it's a rabbit hole, not a rat hole. I don't like the hole. negative connotation about the debate because it's a good, healthy debate, and and honestly, it's a discussion that uh, see not this is where I get away from the shine sunshine thumpers. I think it should be taken. I, I don't. I think it's valid. It's understandable. And this blind, well, we can't talk about this. This shouldn't be talked about. Nobody, this is complaining. This is complaining to even think that USC would, would, would not be, you know, the best job in the universe. I mean, that, that's nonsense. That's not rational, reasonable thought. You have to be open to that. I understand, though, it goes past the limit when you just drive on it and drive on it, and it's always about what's not going on instead of what's going on. Yeah, you can't just continue continue to be on it over and over and over again at some point you got to get over it and say okay this is what usc is doing let's go ahead and take the interest in what they're doing and you know find some positive things to talk about and and move forward there um but you know obviously that's that's again that's the line it's the line and then it's in our rules on the board yeah. <laughs> it's constant negativity 
and the rehashing of negativity and just being all about that, that does not further the conversation. But nor does, no, everything that does USC does is great. You know, they poop greatness and yes, this is, uh, yeah, we just won five games. It doesn't matter. We're still great. You know, that, that doesn't really further the conversation either. So you know, both of those extremes, we try to keep off the peristyle. Well, we got, okay, so I don't have a whole lot more time because I've got to tape our uh, podcast of champions thing, but I do want to get, get, you know, give us, get us your quick thoughts on the assistant coaching search where it is now. I know we, we talked to Clay Helton earlier today at practice. He's not in a hurry. He wants to hire the right guy as, as far as, you know, defensive assistants go. He mentioned again that he wants to be a very aggressive defense. He wants to get after the quarterback. He says the Pac-12 is a passing league and you have to be aggressive. Uh, he wasn't going to give any details. He said there's, there's guys that are coaching in bowl games. There's guys in the NFL. He really, you know, by January, mid January is where he wants to make, you know, he wants to have his full staff in place by mid January because that's where, uh, recruiting kind of kicks up again. You can get back out on the road. So doesn't, you know, no real change for what he said, Gerard, and, and kind of get your thoughts on where USC kind of goes from here. Yeah, the dead period, I think, is over January 14th. I've been told that Clay Helton uh, guarantees that he will have all of his hires made uh, by January 13th. And so they want to have the defensive coordinator hire done. They want uh, that secondary coach to be on campus, um, you know, a few days later, if not, you know, almost around the same time. Uh, certainly that, again, points us towards him hiring a defensive coordinator that is also a defensive backs coach. Um, we've heard Dwayne Walker's name come up several times, and I think he is a candidate. Now, I don't think USC uh, has interviewed him. I have not heard anything about a job offer, uh, but it seems like he would be a guy, um, certainly with a sterling reputation, a very good resume. Uh, he's been in the NFL. He is actually a Pete Carroll guy. Um, people don't remember because he was on that first staff at Pete Carroll. He was only there for a year, uh, but he was at UCLA and had some success at UCLA with you know, some so-so teams in terms of talent. That was really when USC was just rolling. And uh, they beat USC one of those years, 13-9 in a game uh, that USC fans probably don't want to remember with John David Booty uh, down there in the goal line, fourth down and getting the pass knocked down. I think it was by uh, um, uh, the kid that went to Sarah, the linebacker, McNeil. I can't remember his first name. Um, but it was a, it was a, it was a tough, hard-fought game. And, uh, you know, Dwayne Walker got a lot of props for that game and, and I think just how he ran his defenses and sort of his mentality. And so he's a guy that uh, we hear is, is, is a potential candidate. Uh, we've also heard a lot about Clancy Pendergast. And I think the latest we've heard is that USC is continuing to go after Clancy Pendergast after he basically turned him down and said, no, I want to stay in the NFL. Uh, so it seems like, you know, they're, they're, they're coming back. Heard some stuff about maybe Ed Ergeron coming back and maybe – you know, the potential of editors around coming back would lure Clancy Pendergast back to USC. Those two worked together in 2013 and really worked together to have one of the best defenses, uh, not only in the Pac-12, but nationally. Um, you know, uh, an editor drawn, uh, Dwayne Walker defense would be good too. Um, but, you know, whether it were drawn is coming back on staff, I think still, I would kind of tend to say, no, I don't think it's going to happen. Just talking to people, I, I just think that, I just don't see it happening. Um, I think there's a lot of parts that would have to sort of move around for that to happen. And right now I don't think it's going to happen. Um, we have heard uh, of one potential uh, new position being filled. And, again, it's uh, we talked about it on chat, and I do not know if this is going to be a full-time position. Potentially it could be just an administrative assistant. Uh, but Princess Gill is a wide receivers coach that is actually, I think, coaching defensive backs up at San Jose State and a guy that um, has been at uh, the junior college level here in California uh, that uh, is potentially coming back to USC in some role. Uh, again, it could be just an administrative assistant role, uh, potentially could be a full-time receiver's role. Obviously, when you've got T. Martin moving in off to coordinator position, uh, there's, there's a chance that he may want to have somebody working under him uh, as a position coach so he can kind of uh, roam a little bit and look at the quarterbacks, look at the running backs, uh, maybe even look at the offensive line and not have to, you know, spend all his time with the receivers. Uh, with, re you know, with the other positions, uh, offensive line, defensive line, uh, I think we've heard probably at this point this most consistent thing Clay Helton has told the guys that have taken over those positions, uh, this is going to be your job interview. Uh, this week of practice, uh, the game itself is going to be your job interview. And uh, if you guys can impress, there's potential that you could be hired. Now I know there's a there's a large you know factor there that uh, um, 
you know, depends on the coordinators. It, uh, you know, if you bring in, um, you know, a defensive coordinator and he wants to bring in his guys, that's just that. Um, but offensively, you got T. Martin there. Um, certainly, I think that uh, there's potential for the guys that are there right now. Maybe um, Mike Goff, a, a offensive line coach that is there, a guy that actually played quite a few years in the NFL, uh, but was an volunteer assistant coach and, and went to USC as an administrative assistant coach, uh, could end up being promoted at that job. Um, I think it's kind of a wait and see. And, uh, you know, there's a, uh, USC fans are not going to be happy to hear that. They weren't happy to hear that in chat. They want to hear that, you, you know, Clay Helton's going out and, and hiring, you know, the best guys, the mercenary guys. Um, I would caution that, though, to some extent that there's a lot of dream team staffs that have been built over the years with uh, new coaches coming in. And, you know, UCLA themselves had a dream team staff. I remember with Rick Neuheisel when he brought in uh, Norm Chow and he had Dwayne Walker there as a defensive coordinator. And that just didn't work. And so you, you have to have good coaches. And I think experience is a big deal for USC, and they say too need to get some guys in there that have some experience. Um, but at the same time, you do have to have chemistry with that coaching staff, and those guys have to communicate and get along and 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 coexist. And um, that's 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 a bigger deal, I think people realize. And so uh, from that standpoint, I don't think Clay Helton um, is is going to overlook that. I think that he definitely wants to have guys who get him and understand, you know, kind of where they're going philosophically, and everybody's kind of on the same page. The question is going to be, are the guys that they bring in, will they have enough experience that when you play other good teams with other experienced coaching staffs, uh, you've seen it before? You know, that's just the biggest thing. It's not, uh-oh, plan A didn't work. What the heck did we do? And everybody's looking at each other. And that's sort of the sense that you got with Lane Kiffin and Steve Sarkeesian to some extent that there was things that happened. There was opponents that they played that there was a little bit of a shoot from the hip factor. And it was just like, well, let's just call the game as we know it and not necessarily adjusting so much to what the other team was doing. When you have experience and you've seen something, you know, you come in with plan A and then you realize, okay, that's not going to work. Well, this is what they're doing. And an experienced coach goes, oh, I've seen this before. Here's the remedy for that. And that's what we hadn't seen uh, in past years with USC. So I think that's where the experience factor comes in for the coaching staff. All right. Well, great stuff. Uh, kind of a longer podcast than I thought we were going to do. We didn't have as many questions, but we got a lot of topics. So good stuff, Gerard. That's uh, nice. A little Christmas present for everybody before uh, before they take it off for the break here. Hopefully a Christmas present and not coal in their stocking. Right. We don't want coal in their stocking. I, I actually, I held out at the end of the chat. We were was pretty much done. I was like, you know, we'll just do an hour and whatever. And everybody was kind of, I don't say everybody, but there was a few people that were a little depressed. You know, they wanted to hear, oh, you know, they're going after this, you know, big time offensive line coach or, man, this guy's going to do this. And it's always really about the next hire when you're not satisfied with the coaching hire at the, at the head job and then you're not satisfied with the offensive coordinator hire and you're not, it's always, well, the offensive line coach could be a great hire and that could be what makes the, the staff work and the defensive coordinator. So everybody's looking for that next hire to be the big, great hire. And because, you know, we just don't have a lot of names that we can throw out there of guys, you know, like Steve Greatwood, who, you know, obviously has been very successful at Oregon. He was a guy that interviewed uh, for the for the offensive line coaching job. Uh, you know, Mike Bloomgren was a guy that when Lane Kiffin was looking for an offensive coordinator, he was talking to. And these are, you know, names that have been obviously successful, the schools they're at. And so people get excited, like, oh, that might bring something new to USC. Uh, that might be a change in the in the right direction. And when you don't have those names, they sort of get depressed. So I held out and I and to text some people. And I was trying to get some like good news to cheer people up. I said, let's let's end this on some holiday cheer. And really wasn't anything to 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 say. And so they were kind of bummed out and said, you know, hey, at the end of the day, you guys are bummed out about being in a chat talking about USC football. Uh, maybe that's a little bit of reality that you should be cheery. You know, it's first world problems, people. First world problems. That's a good way to end it. All right. Well, Gerard. Thanks again for coming on. Hope you have a great uh, holiday break. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you. All right. Everyone else, thank you so much for tuning into the Peristyle podcast. That's going to be our last one for the week. I'll do a, I'm going to talk with the Washington, uh, Washington, Wisconsin publisher uh, next week. So we'll do a nice preview show of the holiday bowl. We'll get you some insight there. If you have any questions for the Wisconsin publisher from Scout, send us, send us your questions in. Uh, Benjamin will come on the show. Uh, podcast at uscfootball.com. We'll also have a podcast of champions previewing all of the the rest of the pac-12 bowls coming up too so go to pac12podcast.com for that thanks so much for tuning in and we will talk to you next time welcome back to the show folks we're downtown today looking for small business owners here's one now excuse me who's handling the marketing for your business marketing my nephew did our facebook page and the website but i didn't really see results 
I'm just too busy trying to build my business to focus on that stuff. Maybe I have to hire a professional. Well, did you know Circle Marketing's entire team of marketing experts can help you grow your business? Really? But can Circle Marketing handle my social media updates? Yes. New website design? Yep. Online advertising? Sure thing. Make a professional video? Oh, yeah. Help me with marketing strategy? Absolutely. Can they walk my dog, Harriet? Um, no, that's not marketing. Oh, okay. Well, we were on a roll there. So where can I find more information about Circle Marketing? That's easy. Go to circlemarketing.com. When you're ready to hire a professional, full-service marketing company, contact Circle Marketing. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.